Man, oh man, we got some major drama going on with the Pistons today. Isaiah Stewart versus LeBron James, who wins in the octagon. We'll talk about all of that on today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. I'm your host, per usual, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. Make sure you go check out the podcast on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the channel. It's the best way to support the podcast. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year. We're almost at 600. So again, we want to support the podcast in the best way possible. Go over to YouTube, subscribe to the channel. We'd really appreciate it. And also, I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. But enough of all the intro, enough of all that stuff, man. We have easily the most entertaining game of the entire season for the Pistons. That's why it was easily the most entertaining game. And we had Isaiah Stewart literally try to destroy the entire Lakers team. This game was crazy. And what happened in that, what was it, the third quarter, second quarter, what happened was absolutely insane. We're going to talk all about it. But I had to get a guest on here. I had to get my boy Bryce on here to talk about this with us because it was it, – it, this is this was, a, this was insane. This was crazy. Bryce, how you doing, man? I'm good, Koo. I'm just trying to – like, you know how your heart gets racing and you feel like you played a game at the end of one of those games? Like, I'm just trying to, like, settle down just a little bit but because I know I get to talking fast, so I apologize to the listeners. I know I'm going to be speeding through this as we talk everything. Nah, yeah, man, I, I don't blame you, dude. So, listen, the second and third segments, we'll talk about the plays in the game, the actual play itself, but we have to start off with Isaiah Stewart versus LeBron James. So, if you didn't see this game somehow, you don't know what happened. I don't know if it was the second or third quarter. Do you remember, Bryce, if it was the second or third? I feel like it was the third, but I can check. I believe it was early third, but either way, uh, Isaiah Stewart basically got punched in the face by LeBron James. I don't care what anyone says. It was intentional. He balled. I believe it was intentional. He balled up his fist, basically looked at Isaiah Stewart and swung down at him. Um, maybe he didn't think he'd actually connect with it, uh, but he definitely connected with it. Isaiah Stewart's face was literally covered in blood. And Isaiah Stewart, once he saw blood, it literally was just pure rage. I don't know if you guys have played uh, Far Cry 5, but literally, it's like it's like it's like when you when that music starts playing and they have it transition. He's like, "Oh God, kill mode." That's literally what Isaiah Stewart happened. It literally like the music played. All he saw was red, and he was literally fighting through people, looking like Eric Dickerson in Madden 20 for all my gamers out there. He literally was just trucking through everyone, trying to be in his way to go after LeBron James, to go after Russell Westbrook. It it was insane. It literally looked like Mass of the Palace Part Two. Even Mason was in the background on the announcements. Do not throw anything on the court. Do not throw anything. <laughs> like it was crazy. It was by far the most entertaining game. But that that's insane. I can't believe that happened. Um, Isaiah Stewart again was literally just seeing red. What's crazy is he like he was seeing red, but he had enough thought to okay, I'm going to act like I'm cool, and then I'm going to sprint down the court and try to get back to him. And then I'm going to act like I'm cool, and then I'm going to go. I've never been in LCA. I'll be there in March. But then it looked like he was going to run around to a different entrance to the court to get – like he was trying to figure out any way to get there. So so I w- my first credential season was at Little Caesars Arena, so I know how that back way works. 
So basically, once you go back there, there's this little tunnel, and it shows like a bunch of Pistons, uh, bunch of Pistons awards and highlights, whatever. But once you get past that tunnel, to the left is the Pistons locker room. If you go to the right, you go a little bit farther down, you see the media room. And if you take it all the way down, you can loop around to the other side. So I, for 100%, he was trying to get down there and loop around to the other side of the arena to get to the Lakers locker room. There's no way I don't believe that was not what he was trying to do. It would have been a long run because the they have the Lakers uh, visiting locker room on the other side, literally on the other side of the arena. So it would have been a long run. But, I mean, you saw Corey Joseph go over to the side yeah, of the Lakers yeah. bench. It looked like he was trying to stop Stu from – some looping around it was well, crazy they i think they had come back from something maybe the replay or whatever and all of a sudden they're like pistons players on the lakers bench or by this i thought maybe fans were trying to come down or you know it was about to get real crazy and then it made more sense as they showed the replay of stew eventually like you could see it click with him like oh i can i can run around through the hallway back here and get get back onto the court like he yeah, I, I didn't understand the first video game reference you gave because I, but the, <laughs> but the, but the football one I got, but it was you could just tell the look on his face and you could see him also trying to explain to Dwayne Casey like Dwayne Casey's right there in front of him and he's like Dwayne you know you I, I don't read lips but it's like you could tell he's like he punched me he did whatever you know what I loved was you know Cade Cunningham was in his ear the whole time it, it obviously didn't work but Cade was trying to calm him down. But Kate, there was... Kate got trucked by Isaiah Stewart too <laughs> on the second round. And Kate's trying to grab him, and literally Isaiah Stewart just trucks Kate, and Kate goes like, flying to the coo. side. Okay, so here's the question: As much as everybody loves Isaiah Stewart right now, and rightfully so, if he would have hurt Kate Cunningham <laughs> in that situation, would we still love Beef Stew or would we hate Beef Stew? I want to know that answer from Pistons fans. Yeah, if uh, you guys got to let us know your answer to that because that actually is interesting. He for real just trucked <laughs> Kate to the side. He was trucking everyone in his sight. But uh, before we move on to the actual play itself, Bryce, I got to ask you, we both played basketball our whole lives. You played basketball at a higher level than me at D1. Um, if have you one have you ever found yourself in a situation like this a physical situation like this one and two do you do you understand from a hooper's perspective do you understand Isaiah Stewart's reaction do you think that he went overboard I know I'm seeing I'm seeing a little bit of both from Pistons fans like I've seen obviously a lot of people saying yeah that's our guy that's Detroit blah blah all that stuff but there's also a ton of people saying like dude you gotta calm down you can't that's way too far you went like you you need to calm down yeah, I've never been in anything like that. Now, I've been in some shoving matches and stuff like that. I've never had a, th- like, I, I always say I was smart enough to top, stop talking trash early enough that no th- punch was going to get thrown at me, or I only talked enough trash if I knew I had my boys around me to take care of it for me, um, which we talked a little bit about that with LeBron James. <laughs> he knew he knew that he was going to have plenty of people standing in front of him. As far as Stewart, listen, I love Beef Stew. I understand that this is Detroit and the Pistons and fans love it. I did think it started to get a little much. Like I thought at a certain point, Beef Stew had to just be like, I got to play games. I got to be ready. Because my thought was, I mean, obviously they're going to throw him out. But even if they didn't throw him out for whatever reason, he wouldn't have been in the right mindset to play a basketball game anyway. So I understand the initial stuff. But eventually, I wanted to see him be able to just relax just a little bit and calm down a little bit. But I understand why he's so frustrated. Like that, like you keep saying, it was like intentional or not, it was an open fist to his eye. Yeah, it was. Or sorry, close fist, close fist, close fist. Yeah, it it was. It's tough. I I get that one hundred percent. He's a pro, and you don't want your dude getting suspended. 
for multiple games. You don't, you don't want that, especially when the Pistons are already down guys and without their backup center. But Dwayne Casey did say after the game, he doesn't believe Isaiah Stewart should be suspended. The only way he thinks he could be suspended is by not leaving the floor in a timely man- fashion. But he doesn't think he did anything when the incident happened or, or afterwards or before that warrants a suspension. So whether he gets suspended, we'll see. I think it's likely. But I can't really blame him for how he reacted, man. I, I'm I, I'm trying to be like a, a mature person looking at this and being a pro and, and, you know, try to be wise or whatever. But, man, I'm going to tell you this much right now. I have been in a few scuffles before. <laughs> Nothing, nothing to the extent of this, but I can promise you, I can promise you one thing. Scuffles, okay. If if someone hit me on the court on accident, let's say it was on accident. I don't believe it was on accident. Let's say it was it was just maybe on accident. If I see blood coming down my face and I can taste blood in my mouth from my eye and it's on my jersey, it's it's over with. It's it's I'm sorry. All all I think that's what happened with Stu too, because he didn't look like he was he was pissed. But he didn't look like he saw rage until he felt the blood coming down his face. So once that happens, all that's out the window, man. I'm, I I got to think about it. I, I can't blame him at all. Once he tastes blood, literally, it was blood in his mouth. It looked like he was bleeding out his mouth, too, because it was on his teeth and everything. So once, once that starts happening, I, I can't I, I can't blame him for, for losing it. I, I can't blame it. It's going to suck if he gets suspended, but I can't blame him. My prediction is four games because the NBA is smart enough to realize they don't want beef stew on the court with LeBron James next Sunday. So a four game suspension would, would eliminate him from being available to play in that game next Sunday against the Lakers. And then he'd be available after that. Cause it wouldn't surprise me. Like, you know, people will say coincidence or not, but I think if, I don't think it should be that much. I don't personally think that, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if it ends up being four games and that plays a factor. Yep, so, I mean, I, I, we'll see how many games he gets suspended. I definitely think he'll be suspended, but we're going to have to wait to see how many games it is. Uh, LeBron James is not going to speak to the media tonight, so we won't get to hear his thoughts while we record the podcast. But when we come back, we'll talk about the actual play within the game now. Uh, even though that instant is going to be all over the place for a while, it was hectic, it was crazy. Um, but we're going to talk about the actual play in the game when we come back. But first, I got to tell, tell you guys about some of our sponsors. First up, Price picks. All right, NBA fanatics, have you heard about Price picks? Price picks daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Price picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Price picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Price picks offers any prop you can think of from yarders to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of our users that deposit and use our promo code will receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use promo code NBA. You pick two to five players and an over and under on the projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. You can even uh, Price Picks even allows mixed sports entries. You can take the under on any quarterback throwing for the Lions. It doesn't matter if it's Jared Goff. Just take the under every single time on any quarterback throwing for the Lions. Or the over on, let's say, LeBron's points in the same entry. You can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and the Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. PricePix is also safe and it offers fast withdrawals. So don't hesitate. Check out PricePix.com and use promo code NBA or go to your App Store and download the app today. PricePix is daily fantasy made easy. Then let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, Direct TV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. 
Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without all the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of all the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more about this at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. So, Bryce, let's go ahead and talk about the game itself. We spent the entire segment, the first segment, obviously, talking about the big fight that happened with Isaiah Stewart. We got to move past that a little bit. Um, Kate Cunningham had his first triple-double, uh, the youngest Pistons uh, guy to ever get a triple-double. I uh, came in a loss. He did struggle shooting from the field, uh, but still got a triple-double, so that's I guess that's a highlight there. Um, Jeremy Grant had himself a good game as well. I thought Frank Jackson had a really good game as well. Even made some insane defensive rotations, I thought, late in the game as well. So I thought Frank played a great game on both ends of the floor, really. I thought, and, and you kind of pointed this out a few uh, podcasts ago when you joined, that Frank looked like he was turning the corner, starting to come back to himself, and he, he really is over the last six games. So it's good to see that from Frank. Hamdou Diallo also having a great game, 17.7 of nine shooting. I'm sure you love that. Um, but I, this game from the Pistons, I thought through three quarters, was really they, they were playing their best ball the season. And then down the stretch in the fourth quarter, I feel like it went right back to iso ball, a lot, a lot of stagnance um, in the offense. Um, I, I'd be lying to sit here if I didn't think it started with Trey Lyles in the fourth quarter, just like, I don't know what would be going through his head, bro, but he'd be thinking he's like Dirk and Magic Johnson or like, I don't get what's up with him, but that whole stretch in the beginning of the fourth quarter started the downturn with him. And then the Pistons never just recovered uh, and were able to get that ball moving like it was. Uh, but Bryce, outside of that, is there, what, what else did you see in this game? What do you want to talk about from this game within? Yeah, I agree with Trey Lyles. You know, I've kind of defended Trey Lyles um, over the last, I don't want to say defended, but I've, Whenever we first signed him, I came on Locked On, and we kind of said, oh, you know, whatever, you know, he's not a very good player. And I, I went and watched some film, and I watched a, a few games to start the season. I'm like, okay, this could be a guy that knocks down a shot, moves the ball, like does some good things. But quite honestly, he's, I think, a major problem with a lot of our players when they don't play well. I think it has to do with them playing and trying to do things above what their role is, above their talent level. And right now I think he's taking shots and trying to make plays that are above his talent level. And then that's when he's not going to look very good. I feel the same way about Jeremy Grant. When Jeremy Grant's not ISOing, he looks really good. Catch and shoot it, catch and drive it to the basket right away. And then occasionally do an ISO. Frank Jackson, I even feel the same way about him. I think he's shooting more catch-and-shoot threes or just immediately attack, attacking the basket. You talked about the fourth quarter. Kind of what I wonder if this is what – this team is trying to turn the corner of playing that good offense that we're talking about, Koo, and we've seen some of those possessions. But when the pressure comes on you, you kind of revert back to what you're most comfortable with, and I think that's still the isolation-type things. So whether it's Casey or the players or a combination, we don't have to get into all of that. But when the pressure hit, they reverted back to what they're used to or most comfortable with right now. And that's not that free-flowing offensive possessions we saw through the first three quarters. I mean, I also think like a big part of it as well, um, I think this is just very it's, – it's clearly obvious. But once the Pistons lost Isaiah Stewart, they just had nobody that could match up with Anthony Davis. He just asserted his dominance the entire fourth quarter. I don't think he was having that – amazing of a game before Stu went out 
Uh, but once Stu went out, he just asserted his dominance over the Pistons. The, guy, the Pistons, they have anyone over 6'8 in the game. Uh, they definitely weren't going to go to Trey Lyles to to play. And he's probably – I think he was the tallest guy left on the, the squad after that. That's 6'9". Six, I mean, well, Luca Garza, but Luca Garza is not going to be someone you throw in against Anthony Davis. Uh, but, yeah, Anthony Davis, I feel like, was a major issue for them in the fourth quarter defensively. And like you said, the offense has got really stagnant. And then once the pressure got put on them, they reverted back to old habits. Um, but definitely – it's it, it, go ahead. I was just going to say, and for the Lakers, they're tough to guard when you have to double Anthony Davis. When Russ is doing what Russ did tonight, which was being a really good cutter – and then you have a guy like Mello just knocking down shots, three-point shots at a high rate, and they got some other shooters around him. Like, it's a tough team to guard whenever you have to go and double one of those guys. So it put the Pistons in a really tough spot. And if I may, with the doubling in the fourth quarter, um, I, I believe B-Ball Breakdown on Twitter, uh, Coach, hi, I forget his name. Uh, he's really popular on Twitter. I forget his name. Yeah, go yeah. follow his account, B-Ball Breakdown. Uh, he pointed out, about doubling with Corey Joseph. And I completely agree. I doubling. We kind of talked about this last Coach few Nick. weeks ago. Coach Nick. Coach Nick. There you go. Um, we talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast when the Pistons were doubling with Cade and Killian Hayes on, I forget who it was, but doubling down on post-ups. And it worked so well because those guys are long, strong, and and tall. Doubling with Corey Joseph just isn't going to work the same. It, Anthony Davis is just throwing it right over him. He can see it, it doesn't really have any of an effect. And, uh, Russ was able to just knife through the middle of the lane each time because, again, Corey Joseph just doesn't really affect Anthony Davis on the double. So it, it was it was tough. It was going to be tough defensively for the Pistons without Stu to guard Anthony Davis. But definitely I think the bigger issue was offensively. When you have, what was it, a 15-point lead entering the fourth quarter, the defense can be bad, but, like, you have to – there's no way you should be outscored by 15. Your offense has to do better than that. Uh, they really struggled offensively in the fourth quarter. Uh, again, just got really stagnant, a lot of iso ball. Uh, and it, it, it was it sucked to see because the Pistons had Jalen Rose on the sideline, Ben Wallace on the sideline, Rip Hamilton on the sideline. Like it was – and a lot of the momentum it felt like was going to the Pistons' way after the, the big fight with Isaiah Stewart. They extended the lead of 15. They really – and the Pistons, they got good play across the board from a lot of players. They had a good game, obviously a great game from Jeremy Grant. Sadiq Bay, Sadiq Bay played a, a decent game. Frank Jackson played an incredible game. Hamadou Diallo played an incredible game. Kay Cunningham had a triple-double. Like I, I feel like they really had a lot of contributions from across the board, and it just really it's, – it's tough to lose this one, especially, again, after the scuffle that happened. You, The Pistons fans everywhere wanted this win a lot. We talked about this before we started recording, that you know everyone's kind of accepted losing. But this game was one of those ones that everyone really wanted to get. And it looked like the Pistons were going to get it, but they just couldn't They couldn't close it out. Yeah, I told you, you know, I for those of you who don't know, I'm coming up on one year, essentially. The 1st of December is uh, a year ago is whenever I started, like, diving into the Pistons and the podcast that I do and all that stuff. And so in the time I've been around, this is the first loss I really remember, Koo, where Pistons fans were upset that we lost the game. Every other – we've lost games like this, you know, close, heartbreaking, lost the lead, whatever, and it was always – like even Friday night against the Warriors, I saw a tweet immediately after, Nate, hey, this was a good loss, you know, or whatever, because we still need draft picks and all that stuff. This was the first one, I think, because it was the Lakers, because of the scuffle, because of Cade Cunningham's triple-double. I think Pistons fans really, really wanted to get this one, and understandably so. Yeah, definitely a tough loss to get. It's the Pistons will get a rematch against the Lakers in a week, but like Bryce pointed out, 
I, I think it's likely that Isaiah Stewart will not be available for that game. I don't think they want him going up against LeBron. Uh, again, they're going to avoid that. I'll be surprised. If LeBron, I'm, I'm going to keep it a buck. I'll be surprised if LeBron gets any punishment after this game. It, it looks like they didn't even really want to throw him out the game. It was just – if that's anyone else, this is my last comments on it. If that was anyone else, I don't think we have this discussion about whether they're suspended a couple of games. I think they're 100% suspended a couple of games. We're talking about a closed fist, turns and looks at him, and straight – punch across the face if this is anyone else we're not hearing oh it was an accident it was incidental if this was literally anyone else we're not hearing that so I, but i'll be surprised that lebron gets suspended in games to be honest i think it'll get Stu will be the one because he was he refused to just leave the court but definitely a tough loss tough thing to have happen moving forward but and this is the, this is a tough thing with those things i i don't do i think lebron purposely like his intent was to you know punch him in the face and bloody him up i don't think that was in his intent but this is like do you do you rule on or make decisions based on intent or what actually happened or what ensued like it, there's so many little factors not little but big factors i guess to consider you know cuz Stu got what a flagrant one a few games ago for elbowing somebody in the face on a rebound, you know, so mm-hmm. there's just so many factors to consider. And so it's, it's going to be tough. It'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm interested to see what the NBA does because everybody's well, that, talking about it. Koo. Everybody's yeah. talking about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. Everyone's talking about it. It's crazy. Uh, last thing I'll say before we go to ad break, I, this is why I think it happened with LeBron. Do I think he wanted to hit him in the face and bloody him up? Probably not, but he 100% was swinging down at him with a closed fist on purpose. He was aiming for Isaiah Stewart. I think maybe he was trying to, punch his arms out the way he 100% was do he did it on purpose now whether he meant to actually hit him in the face and bloody him up probably not but he swung on purpose with his fist so it, it, I think he should be suspended but it's LeBron so he probably won't be um, when we come back I want to talk a little bit about the final play offensive play for the Pistons uh ended in a turnover with from Hamadou Diallo but was the play design that good what what did we think about the play design uh what did it was it smart we'll talk about that when we come back from the ad break but first let me tell you guys about your favorite sponsor of all time, Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and all the treats, and there's plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full in calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert that everyone will love eating. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar. Now go for a raspberry built bar instead of the raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. It's low in calories, low carb, low fat, but high in protein. And it's also covered in 100% real chocolate. It's soft and easy on the teeth to chew. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a built bar or two right now. Serve some at your family gatherings. It will make things less awkward, I promise. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a built bar yet. It will make things less awkward. New surprises all month as well. Limited time flavors arriving at built.com regularly. So go check the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendars. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises and flavors. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. So Bryce, the final play of the game for the Pistons offensively. They were down by three points, inbounding from the right sideline. It ended in a turnover for Hamadou Diallo. Uh, it looked like a boneheaded play from him at first. Uh, it probably still is a boneheaded play from him either way. Um, a bad turnover. But 
I, I want to ask, I'm going to let you go first and dive into the play a little bit more. Uh, what were your thoughts about the play that was designed, how it played out? Did you like the play design? Who do you blame? Just what are your thoughts overall about the, about that play? You're loading up the question. <laughs> um, here's what I told you. Cause we talked a little bit about this as immediately after it happened. And I think I'm a little, I always feel like I try to defend Dwayne Casey because I'm a coach. So I always try to look at it from that, the, like that side of it. I don't think it was a good play call. Like I'll just start off with that. And sometimes it really does come down to whether the play works or not. And it didn't even come close to working. So I think there were a few flaws in the design. What I told you was, Overall, the thought process of the misdirection, I kind of liked. Like, you're going to throw it to one side of the floor, so everybody, you, you think the Lakers are going to think it's going to that side, and then you bring it right back at them. Whoever was guarding Sadiq Bay as the inbounder. Anthony Davis. You know, no, Anthony Davis was on Jeremy Grant. And he switched off on Sadiq on the corner, though, right? Was yeah, yeah. So, yeah, okay. so, so Melo's guarding Sadiq Bay as Sadiq Bay inbounds. So – what you're thinking is Melo's going to relax and then you can get sneak Sadiq Bay to the corner. The problem is, as you bring up, you're setting the screen with a guy being guarded by Anthony Davis and he's been all, he's how many plays did he disrupt tonight? You know, so go take Jeremy Grant, put him somewhere else. I think you use Kate Cunningham as the screener. If you're not going to give him the ball, that's another thing to talk about two games, two late game possessions, both times Kate Cunningham didn't touch the ball, but Use Kate as the screener, so that way his defenders, you know, not Anthony Davis, and then maybe it works a little better. Overall, the misdirection idea, I understand it. The execution and some of the design, obviously not very good. So I'm going to ask you one question real quick, and that, and then I'll go right after. So I, I was posting this question to myself. I don't even know. I don't know my answer yet. I'm leading it a certain way, but I want to get your thoughts on it. With you down by three. You know they're going to follow you as soon as you catch this ball. Why are you inbounding the ball inside the three-point arc? Do you have an issue with that? Am I am I reading too much into that? I personally feel – I think I'm leaning towards if you know they're going to follow you, in the case that you know they're going to grab as soon as you grab you, if you inbound it beyond the three-point arc, you can at least throw it up as soon as they do it, get it and you get three free throws. If you're inbounding it inside the three-point arc, as soon as they go after you, you're stuck with two free throws. It's, it, you're, you're, you're screwed. So am I reading too much into that or do you think that's accurate too? No, I think in general your philosophy makes sense. And I would I don't follow the Lakers and Frank Vogel enough to know if they're a foul in these situations, like if historically that's what they do. So maybe somebody – Hal seems to be a guy that knows these things. So maybe Hal can give us some context on that. My argument to that would be the design did account for that though. Like Hami was going to catch the ball and immediately get rid of it back to Sadiq Bay in the corner. At least that's what – it. What I've seen from the play, I think that's what was supposed to happen. The problem was the initial pass to Hami put him in a tough spot. He's going one way, trying to make a pass back to Sadiq Bay opposite the way he's going. Like, that's a tough pass to make. I mean, you would, but he's athletic, so he could go up and get the pass. So I understand why it was Hami, but as much as I think Hami can be a good passer, that's a really tough spot to put him in. But in, to answer your question, yes, you're, you're, in general, that would make sense to me. All right, so now 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 I'll go in on the final play. I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. It made no sense to me whatsoever. I, I hated everything about it. So this is the first thing. Like you pointed out, you're going after Anthony Davis for the third straight possession. Three straight possessions, they went at Anthony Davis. 
Kay Cunningham tried him twice, got swatted. Sadiq Bey then tried him underneath the rim. He traveled, but they didn't call it. We, we got away with that one. Uh, and they and, and they drew up a play for Jeremy Grant after a timeout not long yes. before this that was to go right out Anthony Davis as well. Yes, that one yes. was the ISO, wasn't it? On the on yes. the right side of the court. Yes. So literally in like the final two and a half minutes, you went four straight plays at what some people call the best defender in the NBA. Right after he's literally changing the game with multiple play after play after play on the defensive end. Now, listen, I say on this podcast all the time, all of you guys who listen, all of the people who follow me, you guys know. There's a little thing going on with me where I have to be, I have to be kind of careful with what I say and be hesitant. I don't want to just come out and criticize Dwayne Casey if, if there's a way for me to understand something else. This is not one of those times I can't hesitate here. This final play I thought was awful. I just it didn't make sense. You're going at Anthony Davis again. It's not Kate Cunningham getting the final shot, which I really don't like. We, now that's two straight play games, like you said, that Kate just hasn't touched the ball. Even when he's struggling, I still feel like when your closer is struggling, you still go to your closer. You just you just do. That's second. Third, the, the play that if, if that's what they were asking Hamadou Diallo to do, that play is almost impossible to, to complete. There is I, – I don't – even if Anthony – I'm going to keep it a buck. Even if that play was not Anthony Davis, I don't know how you expect Hamadou Diallo to fit a pass between, in that window. You're, so, you're asking him to try fit that between two defenders on the right side. I don't see how he – I don't even without – I don't see how he fits that pass in falling away from the basket while trying to hurry up and flick it before the foul comes in. I, it It's almost an impossible play, I feel like, for Hamadou Diallo to even attempt to make. So he starts at the top of the key on this play – runs around, he gets a back screen from Cade, runs around Jeremy Grant, and he's on the opposite lane line when he catches the ball. In the play, like, they actually get Mello. Like, Mello does what you want Mello to do as an offensive team, and Mello just kind of turns and, and ball watches. But, Anthony, like, it, it's going to be a tough pass no matter what. Like, I don't know if he can get it there because he's jumping and following, following the opposite direction of where he's trying to throw it back to. Like, that's – that's really, really tough. It, it, but I'll ask you this too. Let me let me just ask you this. Even if it's not Anthony Davis there, do you think that's that's a play that could I, I seriously I don't know if that's a pass that could be made in that kind of window from Hamdou Diallo. That's a like on the opposite side of the court, it's basically the strong side. There's like what is it like five players completely on that side of the floor too, and there's like two defenders in that window right there. So I, that, that's it, the that's the tough play. If you're watching on YouTube and you see me like just staring at my, I'm rewatching the play as Ku and I are talking through this. I think that, like to to your point, I think the pass ends up short even if Anthony Davis doesn't steal it. Like I don't think he gets enough oomph on the pass to even get it there. <sighs> yeah, I don't know, man. Like I say, a I'm tough play, bro. That's, it, I don't know who. I don't know who could. I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'll go out on the limb right now. I don't know who could make that pass. LeBron, tough, LeBron James. Yeah, LeBron. Maybe LeBron. And LeBron. And that's because LeBron six eight two fifty and one of the best yeah, yeah, passes it, we've it, ever it, seen. Exactly. Like it's just those guys are so like a guy like him so strong. And and here's the other thing. Again, as I continue to watch it, even if he gets it there, I don't think it's gonna be on target. Like I think it's gonna be an off target pass too. Like again, this is why I say. The, the idea behind the misdirection, I understand. Everything after that doesn't make sense. The execution, the design, who who was put in what spot. And here's my other thing. Like, 
I think we almost overcomplicated it. And like Frank Jackson was what, what three of five from three in this game, three of six, mm-hmm. and he wasn't even on the floor in that situation. So it it was interesting. Um, I know I tried to defend him. That's uh, fans probably aren't going to like that, but <laughs> hey, can can I bring up one thing? Because I just saw a tweet at, from Broadbeard, Cade Cunningham on because we were talking about the ISO ball right in fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Cade's quote. Guys were confident in their own shots, and that took away from the ball movement. Now, that that right there speaks to what I said in the last podcast. That's all. That's a very interesting quote from Cade Cunningham, who is very politically correct and very aware of what he says. Because I saw it, it was from James Edwards asking about his triple double, and he he deferred it, talked about the team. You know, the win would have felt way more than the triple double. I feel like Cade is a guy that says the right things, but I feel like he said something there without saying it. And there's I too many it, hands in the cookie yeah, jar. I very, said this. I said this a couple of days ago. There's just too many. There's too many players like trying to expand their game and trying to prove something at once on offense. This is it's too, uh, through the first three quarters. There was none of that they were moving the ball. Great. No one was trying to do their own thing. And I feel like that contributed heavily to why Jeremy Grant was having such a great game because he's ha- he is great when you move the ball and you let the game come to him. Not when he's putting these. Oh, clear the floor out. And let me go ISO it. I think that's what Cade was speaking to. I got one more thing, and I know we have to keep it short, and you get in trouble, and you, you yes, your yes. your people, they're not going to let me back on. I, I understand. I think we have a role identity issue right now with this team. Like, like, and I'll just tomorrow morning with my, with our high school team, I have their roles typed out for our varsity players, and it says exactly: you're the main guy, you're catch and shoot three, you're this, whatever. Like, this is what your role is, and we sit down with them, and we're brutally honest with these. 14 to 18 year olds exactly what their role on this team is going to be now this is a little different it's high school kids and and I understand that but I think right now these guys are still trying to figure it out I think Cade coming to town has messed with Jeremy a little bit because this was his team last year now it's Cade's team now Sadiq Bay is trying to figure it out Trey Lyles like shouldn't be an issue, but it is. Frank- <laughs> yeah, Trey Lyles is the name. <laughs> Frank Frank has finally figured it out, and now he's playing well. Like, but what the thing with Frank is, can he stay in his lane? I tell you this all the time. I stay in my lane whenever I talk about the Pistons in the NBA. I ain't trying to break down some game that I didn't watch. I feel like our guys sometimes need to stay in their role just a little bit better. And I thought we saw them default back to not doing that in the fourth quarter. It's a learning experience. I, no I question. Say, I want to say that they will – hopefully they get better at it because I know a lot of people think when we criticize them, it's like we're saying they suck and they'll never learn or no. anything. It's just simply saying what we've seen so far. Hopefully they get better. Uh, but before we end the podcast, I have to comment one more time on this final play because now I got the play in front of me. <laughs> so so the same the, the same b-ball breakdown, Coach Nick, he tweets this out. He says, Casey takes a page out of Brad Stevens' book running quote-unquote winner. However, the lob to the weak side – it's supposed to set up a screen on the perimeter the, on the left on the, side. Yeah, on the weak side. Yes, yeah, on the yep. weak side. The idea he was going to try and throw this back into the defense, it's blank backwards, sports fans. And that's my point. Like, I'm watching it right now. I don't see, like, even if Anthony Davis isn't right here. So, like you said, Carmelo bites on it. Carmelo's just, like, standing, which – Camelo, Camelo, is funny watching this play. He's like he's not. It's like this possession doesn't matter. He literally just stands straight up. Uh, but even if you get that guy, the guy you're switching with, he's already in the pass. Like he's just yep. going to be in the passing lane naturally. So like I, the only way I think you could get this pass is like maybe a hard ass bounce pass. Yeah, I, that, 
that's what that I would thought. be like the only way. That's what I thought too. Is it like an overhead hard bounce pass? And that's why I say the idea of the misdirection makes sense, but nothing else does. If you if if you guys watch this with us, like turn this on as we're talking about it, and Ku and I have talked about wanting to do this so bad, so I'm glad we're getting a little bit of a chance. What B ball, what Coach Nick is saying is what Brad Stevens would do is Corey Joseph would be screening for Cade Cunningham running to the weak side right now. So Hami catches, and then Cade would be running off a Corey Joseph screen based on the alignment when Hami catches the ball. Yeah, it it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Hamadou Diallo was asked to make a play that just was basically impossible. It just wasn't going to happen. Uh, but we'll wrap the podcast up there. We're already going way too long, but this is this was a fun game. A lot of stuff going down in this game, but – Thank you guys for listening. Bryce, go ahead and plug all your stuff and let them know where they can find you. Yeah, Motor City Hoops on Twitter, doing stuff at Detroit Bad Boys. Got Amari Sankofa from Detroit Free Press coming on. That episode will drop Tuesday, so make sure you check that out. Cool, this was a blast as always. Please apologize for running long. No, it, it is what it is. <laughs> they, I, think they know, I think they know what goes on when, when we get guests on here. But I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you want to find a way, the best way to support the podcast, please go over to YouTube, search up Lockdown Pistons, subscribe to the channel. We are trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year. We are close to 600. We're, we're getting a lot of subscribers per day. We're getting there. We're getting close. So, again, if you want to find the best way to, to support the podcast, go over to YouTube, subscribe, hit that big red button. We'd really appreciate it. But Hope you guys enjoyed this game against the Lakers. It was a ton of fun, a lot of drama. I'm sure we'll even talk about it on tomorrow's podcast because it's going to get talked about nonstop on all the big big sports uh, debate shows I'm sure of. So we'll see what happens. Until the next podcast, I'll catch you guys later. Go Pistons, and I'll see you guys on the next one. Peace out, everybody.